Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. I'm Simon Kraft, and who have I got alongside me? My name is Afolabi Oladipo Christopher Akinyemi, or more commonly known as Ben Aspinall. I was going to say you changed a bit there, Dippo, but um, <laughs> we're going to open this week's pod a little bit differently because we'd like to open with a film trailer, if that's okay with you. Um, so roll clip. From the manager of Notts County and Solihull Moors, one night a year, all assists are legal. The Burge survived the second half, October 3rd. Coming to a cinema or non-league stadium near you soon. Yeah, so uh, Ben's spent quite a bit of time today, I think, knocking up some artwork uh, with Scott Burgess as The Burge. Or um, for anyone not familiar, I believe it's a horror film. Is it The Purge? Not one I've seen, but... uh... Not much a horror guy myself, apart from the um, 04 or 5 York season, but I believe (laughs) The Purge is supposed to be quite good. Right, okay. But not as good as The Burge. Who knew? We had our difference maker up our sleeve all season. And yeah, we will come on to Burgess's contribution and the uh, the smash and grab win at Dagenham later on in the show. But before that, we will also discuss the two-all home draw against Solihull Moors from the weekend. But before we get into that, I can see you've got a nice, uh, nice beer on the go there, Ben. Do you want to describe what you've got there? Absolutely. I'm on a uh, a Croatian beer. It's a from the Veronica craft brewery and i believe it is called i've got the hbc 472 ddh hazy pale ale and i can confirm it's very nice Mm, sounds interesting i've gone for something a little bit closer to home i have an order of the north ddh ipa from northern monk brewery order of the north sounds a bit game of thrones to me if i'm honest but let's look back to the events of saturday we were at home against Solihull Moors. We said last week, after the Barnet loss, we didn't have particularly high hopes with Solihull being unbeaten all season. Uh, but as it turned out, I mean, it was a kind of topsy-turvy game, but turned out maybe better than we'd expected initially. I was watching this one live. I think, Ben, you were... Were you in international waters? Because I think you were... Yes, I was I was watching it on my on the Ken Twicks helicopter. Uh, I was unable to attend the fixture in person due to the uh, the rail strikes. Uh, ironically, them's the breaks. But yeah, I was in relative comfort on uh, said helicopter, and I got to enjoy um, a, a rather decent game. But if it's okay with you, Simon, I wouldn't mind you doing a little bit of admin and a little bit of production uh, for once in your bloody life. I just want you to, uh, you know, edit in that clip from last week where I confidently predicted, um, I believe it was a score draw, did I not? So I'm I'm definitely putting money on a, a score draw in this one. Let's start by looking at the lineups. So it was yet another formation change. Can't remember how many formation changes we've <laughs> talked about this season, but we were back with the old three-five-two, which I think Ardley had said he really wasn't a fan of as a system. It wasn't so much. I don't think it was so much. He was not a fan. I think he said it, it, it takes time to implement. And then, which I respect, that does make a lot of sense. But then having to do it quick, you know, put it together quickly based on the fact that half the squad is spending, it's, in, you know, it, it's time outside of training on the toilet. It makes a lot of sense to uh, to look at what the players are available and, and then, you know, pluck for 3-5-2. Yeah, it was very much a sickness and diarrhea influenced formation choice, I imagine. So, yeah, we were at 3-5-2. Both the wingers were dropped. Uh, so Maz and Saziba both dropped out. Cordner came back, but sort of as an extra centre-back with 
Smith and Howe alongside him. Uh, Dyson was in as an extra central midfielder. Um, also, Dan Batty wasn't able to play. I think his baby was in hospital. So Paddy came in to replace him. And we also had John Lewis replacing Marsh. So quite a few changes in personnel. And yeah, maybe a slightly unexpected system, which I think added to the trepidation pre-game, for me at least. I wasn't hugely optimistic before this one. Mm, I, I agree with you there. And um, trepidation regarding that midfield lineup. As much as we've been racing Woodyard, you know, we are worried about um, Paddy's and Ollie Dyson's effectiveness going forward. I think I probably echoed your worries, uh, sign. I think we our text exchange kind of you know agreed on that together, didn't it? So, yes. Although we were pleasantly surprised as the game went on. In the first half, there wasn't a huge amount of action, I thought. There was sort of 25, 30 minutes passed by, and I didn't feel like that, you know, I hadn't really made much in the way of notes. It was a much slower pace than recent games, particularly after the Barnet game, which was really kind of end-to-end, and you know they were attacking with, with a lot of speed. felt like we were playing quite conservatively, um, quite happy to pass it around at the back, not trying to you know, force things to happen too quickly, but we were retaining possession fairly well. Solihull weren't pressing us as much as Barnet had done, so it was kind of working in that sense. I'd agree with that. I, I, I liked um, how offensively... Uh, Paddy and Ollie were playing um, with Woodyard as a screen. I think the two of them got forward quite well and were quite tidy with the ball. You mentioned the conservative play. I think that's very fair. It wasn't exactly end to end, and it wasn't exactly you know full of chances. But we, were, we I thought, uh, I thought we played quite well, um, especially you know in that first half period. Um, I think we kind of grew into the game as that first half went on, despite um, Solihull had that early penalty shout, didn't he? Um, apart from that, but um, apart from that, does the offside shout for Fallowfield? And he's played in by, I believe it's Dippo, and he crosses for John Lewis, isn't he? But it wasn't too many chances there. But they, they started to play, Get I think the confidence grew, you know, the, with this new system. We, we, you and I were both worried about the fact we were playing this system that Adley said he wasn't too confident in. But the players kind of surprised me. They, they, they were playing quite well. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that just a close offside call for Fallowfield out on the right being included in the highlights backs up the fact that there weren't many <laughs> real chances, um, at least in the first half hour. You mentioned the penalty shout, which was uh, Will Smith possibly tripped Josh Kelly in the area, wasn't given. What was your thoughts watching it back? Smith reacts immediately, doesn't he, to say ball, he, which either suggests he's confident in his ability that he t- tackled correctly, or he's absolutely panicking that he's fouled the attacker. So it's hard to gauge. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was a penalty. Um, I think Calder needs to be a little bit stronger in a build-up to that to that play. Um, he's, he, if he's a bit stronger than that, that doesn't lead to that situation. But I, I don't think it was a penalty to be uh, to be totally honest. Yeah, so yeah, maybe got away with that one. But uh, we did start coming into the game, particularly sort of after about half an hour, we started to have a few chances. There's one in particular which was um, Dippo had a shot saved after Lati Fairweather had gone on a run and, and played him through. And that was one where we built out quite patiently from the back to create it, and that was kind of coming to fruition. Decent save as well, I think, that one. I would file this next to the the crossbar effort by Dippo early in the season of very rare opportunities Dippo should be scoring. He just puts it a little bit too close to the goalkeeper. Maybe he should be a little bit stronger if he's going to put it that close, you know, so the goalkeeper doesn't have as much time to get down, to react and, and to parry it away. Um, but really good pl- build-up by... Um, Lassie Fairweather to to find 
Akinyemi in such a, a dangerous position. So that was very much a stand up in front of the uh, laptop. I go ooh in the uh, in the Kentwick helicopter. Yeah, is there a lot of headroom to to stand up in? The, you're not sort of strapped in, or it's a very big helicopter. Um, but I bet the excitement levels in the helicopter rose on 42 minutes when we took the lead. Oh yes. I loved it from start to finish because we've scored a handful of goals like this where a number of players are involved in the build-up and it's just great to watch. The, th- the through ball again by Dippo, the, the cross by Fallerfield, you know, uh, John Lewis's effort is saved out to, to Paddy. It's kind of nicked away from him, isn't it? He's, 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 he's shaping to shoot. You can see his left foot is shaping up for the effort. It comes through to TLF and he does a, a lovely finish. Not quite, you know, powerful, but, you know, it's precise and it's through the goalkeeper. And unlike his uh, 30 yard of the other week when he was smashing stop corner, this one he can tell, he really does celebrate, doesn't he? He feels, he looks euphoric in getting this one away. His uh, second goal uh, in club, in our colours, in the, in the same same goal at the LNER, he definitely looks a bit happy about this one. Yeah, same foot as well. It's another right-footed one. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, much closer in, much easier finish than the previous one, I guess. But yeah, still very calmly slots it under the keeper. I think I would pick out the pass by Dippo to Fallowfield that you mentioned as being the real sort of highlight of this. And obviously we just said he missed a rare chance a few minutes before that, but the weight of that pass through to Fallowfield was, was just perfect. So yeah, we went in 1-0 up at the break. Thought we probably deserved it on the balance of play. Yeah, I agree. I think I sent you and I exchanged a few texts, didn't we? No doubt you were on the concourse enjoying... Uh... Half a shandy, but I, I, I think um, it was a well-deserved lead. Uh, whilst um, you obviously we were both worried about Solihull's unbeaten run, I think we were giving them a, a bloody good game. Uh, we looked really decent. We'd grown into the half, especially. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very, very happy with how things were going. Yeah, I thought all of our threat really was coming through the wing backs, and Fallowfield in particular did some excellent defensive work as well. Uh, I also noted down. I thought Dyson was playing much better, which. Now, he would go on to be named man of the match, which I saw a lot of negative reaction to, but I can only call it as I saw it at the time. Shall we come on to that one at the end? I think we could have a good discussion about Dyson's contribution of the whole 90, couldn't we? Because I do agree with you. Yeah, the only other thing I noted down at halftime was that we looked solid. (laughs) Yes. Which, um, about a minute after the restart, immediately came back Uh, to haunt me. Um, So it was was another one of those, yeah. The groans... uh, yeah, the only real appropriate response because we had looked solid that first half. So to concede a goal like this, which is is up there with the sloppiest ones we've conceded all season, was it's the first attack as well, isn't it? The first attack of the second half. It's the second part of the first attack. The ball goes at the top, gets recycled, it gets through, and you know we're not here to to, to nitpick on individual players and criticize them too much. I'm very disappointed with with Howe's contribution. Um, if he gets a stronger foot in there. If he gets a, a you know a better tackle, it it simply just doesn't happen. I'm very confused as to what he's trying to accomplish with his play there. He just kind of gently sticks his foot out, doesn't he? Which the Solihull striker just ignores and manages to get a shot to trickle under uh, trickle past Whitley. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I didn't have a brilliant view of this one in the ground at the time. I think I'd sort of thought that the danger had passed when we seemed to have got the ball back and then it hadn't, uh, and my view was slightly impeded. So I've seen it back on the highlights, which gives me a more idea of what happened so as I could see it there was sort of a catalogue of errors really the initial cross wasn't really dealt with um, and then Fallowfield seems to win it back out on the right but then he doesn't quite clear or he doesn't get enough on it 
Um, and so the ball does break to, to Callum Maycock, who plays a 1-2, but he should absolutely never be getting to the ball ahead of Howan Cordner to, to even have the chance to finish it into the bottom right corner. Yeah, I'm just... How just doesn't seem to put a proper foot in, so I'm not sure quite what's going on there. It just seemed like we were playing in slow motion a bit. I think it's very lackadaisical defending. Just seems so uh, relaxed and especially so soon, as I say, to repeat myself, so soon in the second half. It, just keep it tight for that first five, make them work harder for it. Very, very annoying and very frustrating again. Solihull, I thought, were probably just about on top. For a while after that, there was a header from Beck, which was saved by Whitley at the near post. I think it's a routine save, but you know, all saves like that are good for your confidence. Um, we know how much of a nuisance Beck is. He did the same to us, didn't he, for Solihull last season. He never seemed to do much for us when he was here at the actual club, but you know, never mind. Um, but yeah, um, it's always a worry when it goes in their post like that, whether it's too, you know, if it, it's about the reaction of the goalkeeper. And uh, yeah, Whitley manages to uh, pass that particular test. Yeah, another slightly worrying point was when Woodyard went down injured Yeah, just before the hour mark. Because obviously, you know, we've known he's he's had injuries in recent seasons. He's had one for us as well and just come back. You just hope it's not going to be one of those where he can't get a run in the team because he has looked so good when he's, you know, when he's been able to complete 90 minutes. I mean, the positivity that I had in the first half regarding uh, McLaughlin and Dyson Really stems from the freedom that they both were given by Woodyard staying in, you know, staying in that central position and allowing them to bomb forward and, you know, to show their um, attacking nous. Um, when he went down and, you know, the signal went up in that he was going to have to come off, it was just so, so annoying and it really sad because, as you say, he's played very well. He's been very good at in that screen, you know, with with Batty, but more so, maybe more so in that four four two that the rigid four four two we've been doing previously. But also the fact that um, in the post-match, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, the post-match interview, um, Adley did express frustration, didn't he? Because he did say um, Woodyard's not had a pre-season and he has been rushed back through the necessity of looking after that defence. And unfortunately, with the benefit of hindsight, it's proven to be a, a little bit of a mistake to play him as much. But um, we don't have anyone else really in that position to do the job that Woodyard does. So, you know, it's a, it's a gamble that Adley had to take and unfortunately it has backfired. Yeah, and we didn't really have a light-for-light replacement on the bench, so it was Maz who ended up uh, coming on and playing a maybe slightly unfamiliar role. Although, as it turned out, um, <laughs> that was sort of one of the factors in, in us getting back into the game, ultimately, ultimately because Maz uh, did have a real impact. In fact, just a minute or two after he'd come on, there was a, a really decent pass from Maz, which set Dippo through. Mm. But again, it was one of those where he was sort of uncharacteristically not calm in front of goal because he has a bit of a heavy touch and it just runs through to the yeah. keeper it's the heavy touch you've got it exactly right there so he's he puts himself you know in a really good position you can see that he wants to line up that that shot uh, at the keeper it's one-on-one and it's the heavy touch it's just yeah unlock it's he's better than that and dippo knows that i can imagine he was very frustrated with himself after that one what was also frustrating was when we went two on down on 67 minutes i guess the first thing to discuss is whether we think it actually should have been a free kick oh absolutely oh have you watched it back on the highlights yeah i have watched it back at the time in the stadium i thought it was questionable but dice has challenged there's a those studs were a little bit high in the car they were very much touching the top of the sock i don't think it's not it's not malicious or anything like that but it's not a great challenge to be totally honest with you yeah okay yeah that's fair i think it was just 
in the stadium there was a feeling at the time that the ref was giving absolutely everything to them and very little to us and so there was just you know frustration was building so we were even getting annoyed at possibly challenges that were legitimate fouls but yeah they get a free kick uh, just on the edge of the box and it's Danny Newton who whips across in to the first man Josh Kelly and his header loops over Whitley into the corner it's quite a simple free kick do we think there's any sort of fault we can pick out in particular or do you think it was just a, a well-worked goal and, and a header into the exact right spot in the net I think it's a really decent header I think we've touched on it before haven't we with uh, Crooks earlier in the season a looping header is uh, aesthetically very pleasing um, a lot of people on Red and Blue talk about how maybe Dippo could have done a little bit better he doesn't really challenge the man I think I probably agree with that but I don't really want to go too hard on our star striker uh, also known as myself, as per my introduction at the start of the pod. Yep. Um, but yeah, maybe he could have done a little bit better on that one, Dippo. Yeah, it maybe been coming a little bit. It's grown into the half, and it's just where you go. Oh, of course, of course they've scored. Of course they've taken the lead. It was starting to feel like a very frustrating afternoon because we'd pretty much been in charge. We hadn't really seemed in the first half like we were likely to let in goals easily, um, and then with all the refereeing decisions and so on, it was just getting more and more frustrating, really. But in fairness, we didn't, you know, let it get to us too much. We we kept pushing, started growing back into the game and ultimately got our reward on 78 minutes. There's another foul involving Dyson this time, which he gets awarded the free kick for. What are your thoughts on that one? Because watching it back, that looked quite soft to me. I think it's soft, but you can see why it's given. But it is very amusing that he manages to foul their player after it's after you know he's been fouled. So when it, when a ref blows up, you do think, oh come on, Ollie, why have you given away that free kick? When in fact he's managed to win one. But yeah, you see, he does the old tap it past the, the defender and try and take him on and get round him, and he is impeded. I think it is a foul. Yeah, there were a few ironic cheers went up, um, obviously because, like I mentioned, the ref had not really been given us any free kicks. So it's Maz who takes the free kick. And it's headed out to the edge of the area and then running in to collect the rebound is Maz again. Um, it's sort of, uh, yeah, straight back out to him. And he hits a low shot into the bottom left corner. It's back to two all. Now, I was sort of right in line with this in the south stand. And when he hit it, I mean, you could see exactly where it was going into the bottom corner. But it wasn't the fastest of shots. I wonder whether the keeper should do better or do you just think that the placement of it is is that good. It goes through a number of bodies, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess he's he's maybe slightly unsighted as well. But it was sort of a side foot finish from outside the area. You know, it wasn't like it, there was a huge amount of power on it. It's very precise though, wasn't it? That's what I like about it. Yeah, it felt like justice of sorts, I guess, even if maybe we hadn't necessarily been having that many chances around then. So it sort of came as a bit of a surprise. But overall, on the balance of play, it felt like the natural order was being restored because we had deserved a point, I thought. Did you think at the time, you know, after celebrations died down, do you think you were going to go for the win? Um, it was a difficult one because, like I say, it had been there'd been a lot of ebb and flow to the game and they'd maybe been on top most of the second half and it felt like it was um, getting away from us a bit, but then we had come back into it and we were making positive substitutions. You know, Marsh came on, Saziba came on. We, we did feel like we were trying to go for the win. Um, and there were sort of chances at both ends as well. That Siziba had probably our best chance, where he creates a bit of space in the box, uh, but his shot's a bit weak, and it's it's straight at the keeper. 
Shot was a bit weak, and he had Dyson wide open, didn't he, next to him? Uh, Dyson and bo- both Dyson and Fallafield were very frustrated with uh, with Xander for that one. You can tell they um, let him know quite loudly that he maybe should have uh, got got the pass away as opposed to the shot. Yeah, well, I think a worse offender for that was in stoppage time when Marsh was running through and, and blazed <laughs> over when he had options, including Dippo, over to his right. And yeah, probably probably picked the wrong one. And down at the other end, an important block by Cordner for a shot that I think was probably going in. So about this one, now, Cordner's on the floor when it happens, doesn't it? Yeah, he's he's already down there. It's not like he he's diving to get it. So maybe it just hits him. I th- yeah, that, I don't want to be cruel on Tyler because he deserves praise um, amongst some of the uh, you know some of the criticism that we see. So he's in the right place at the right time to stop the shot from going in. But there were some people on social media talking about this um, heroic last ditch John Terry esque you know versus Slovenia block diving onto the floor to to save the point for York City. He does he does block it. But he, he was there anyway due to the building up because of what happened in the build up. So I, I, thank goodness he was there, you know, and um, it bounces straight off him. You know, it's you got to be have a strong body for, to allow, allow that to happen. But it was quite funny talking about this um, heroism on social media when, you know, he just happened to be there anyway. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately ends up two all. So another day, another Desmond, I guess, because uh, we've had quite a few two alls at home this season. Uh, but this was. I guess one of the more satisfying ones, given the, you know, position that Solihull are in the league, and our, you know, sort of performance wasn't perfect, but there were definitely positive signs, um, and that's sort of what I, um, what I said in the tweet was I thought there were more positives than negatives from today's game. We looked solid first half, then didn't let our heads drop after errors and dodgy refereeing saw us fall behind in the second. Fallerfield, my man of the match, so not Dyson, although like I said. I did think he had a decent game, at least by the standards of him this season. Uh, other people disagreed. Yeah, I think um, he had a really, really good first half. He was playing with a certain element of a certain amount of confidence. He looked like a Dyson of last season that I, I thought had done quite well. It's kind of like with, with Woodyard there, he had that, that freedom to, to try and attack. And I think he did reasonably well. But I guess the issue is, I don't know, if, if York wants to push on, whether that means getting into the playoffs, whether that means winning this division. We need to, we we, all, we have a room for an Ollie Dyson, but if Ollie Dyson is the best player, then you know other people need to be stepping up because we have better players than him, and if they're the ones giving a hundred percent and they're the ones um, you know earning applauses, that's when we're going to move up the table. And that sounds really harsh on on Dyson, but I think it kind of echoes about echoes him winning the Player of the Year last season. It probably is deserved, but that shows the level of quality in in the team and the squad. If it if it is. Ollie Dyson, who's more renowned for his work rate than technical ability, if he's winning the award, then it's a kind of you know a damning indictment of of the rest of the team. I know that sounds pretty harsh, and others may disagree, which is absolutely fine. But I think uh, I think that's how I feel about Ollie's you know um, standing and role in in the current squad. Yeah. So just to come to the responses we had on Twitter, um, there was one which mentioned Dyson, which was from J eight four nine. The mistakes cost us, but the difference since Ardley took over is clear to see. The fact he was so unhappy with the performance speaks volumes. He just needs time and patience to build his team. Also, Dyson was nowhere near being man of the match. <laughs> uh, Mark Peacock said Woodyard was class, but worryingly got injured again. Defence still looks shaky. Attack seems our best form of defence. Gav Rathmel said TLF is an asset. Rough diamond, but heap of potential. 
Um, and yeah, so again, he was sort of showing his his positives on the attacking side of things. Uh, Lati Fairweather in that game. Although as it turned out, he picked up an injury. So um, yeah, hopefully not out for too long. So yeah, another point on the board. More slight signs of encouragement. And I can only assume a safe landing for you in your helicopter. Absolutely. Ready to go again. Well, actually, no, I don't need to go again, do I? Because uh, no international restrictions on Tuesday's fixture in uh, in Essex. Um, unfortunately, obviously, the distance meant it wasn't feasible to travel down, unfortunately. So a, a real shame. But a fair play to the, uh, the 170-odd souls who did make it down. Yeah, so let's go on to that then. So Tuesday night saw us travel down to Dagenham and Redbridge and run out 2-1 winners. Uh, I was also watching this one legally on a stream. Should we talk about that first 11? Main changes were, as I mentioned, Lati Fairweather was out injured, and we didn't really have any other options to play uh, on left of defence, so Saziba came in there, which hadn't really worked previously and uh, wouldn't really work again on this occasion. Batty was back in for the injured Woodyard, which very pleasing to see that hopefully the situation with Batty's little one um, was improving and he was able to to make the trip and play. Aidan Marsh came back in for John Lewis. Few unexpected names on the subs bench. Uh, Castro and Harriet were both back after a, a brief timeout. And also a certain Scott Burgess making his first appearance in a matchday squad this season. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. What were your thoughts on this lineup? I was worried about Saziba, to, being, to be honest with you. Uh... I don't want to be immensely critical of the lad, but the the, the last Solihull highlight um, from Saturday was uh, the ball inside the channel, cutting Saziba out of the game at left wing back. And I was kind of like, uh, that's the last memory I have of that game. And this lad is at, at left wing back for the following fixture. Defensively, I don't think he did too badly at all, to be totally honest with you. Um, we'll, we'll cover the game, obviously, uh, as, we, as, we, as we go on. But um, whilst there was plenty of problems... With that performance, I don't think he, you know, disgraced himself for his defensive duties at all, uh, to be to be totally honest with you. So let's talk about the game itself then. That first half was a tough watch, wasn't it? Oof. Horror show. Actual horror show. I was uh, upsetting the cats in the house with that one, with the language I was using and the uh, shouting. It was abysmal. It was so bad. And I guess the positive you can take is that they recognised that with both his actions in the first half and what he said afterwards. But as not you know, sugarcoat the fact that you ha- we had to watch it. We somehow got in at nil-nil. But, you know, I know we'll cover the action in the first half more precisely. Thank, thank goodness um, Dagmar and Redbridge were as, you know, as lacking as they were because we were there to be slaughtered, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's as, as bad as we've played all season, really, in terms of a 45 minutes of football. But, yeah, let's let's talk about the action itself. So... We sort of got five, ten, fifteen minutes in, and then I realised that we're not actually touching the ball, are we? <laughs> you know, they were pressing us quite high up, and we were really panicking on the rare occasions we did have the ball. When they had it, they just seemed able to, you know, slot passes together without too much trouble. And it was, yeah, it was just so one-sided in terms of possession, in terms of chances. I kept thinking, well, surely, you know, we're we're going to come out of this spell and start coming into the game, but it was. It was kind of like that all half. They had quite a few chances, but I think the first really good chance is the one that comes from a free kick on about 19 minutes when it gets floated in and then headed back to the 
edge of the six-yard box. Um, there's a Dagenham player. I didn't catch who it was. I don't think the commentators mentioned it, but he's in there. Quite a bit of space on the edge of the six-yard box, and he, he blazes it just over the bar. That should be 1-0 at that point. So that's the head and, head and knockdown, isn't it? Yes. Gets a little bit lucky. I don't think it's so much a headed knockdown, I suppose. It just kind of it comes off the uh, Dagenham player, and it falls to, uh, to their number eight. But he's in space. He should be at least hitting a target. Yeah, so that one that one was a real let-off. Um, and then there's another let-off about 10 minutes after that when Whitley gives the ball away. Um, we've been trying to play out from the back quite a bit and on this occasion didn't work. Whitley's pass to Cordner just, you know, had a bit too much on it, I guess, so it wasn't quite directed right. The polite way of wording that is a, is a wayward pass. Yeah, but then... Instant redemption for Whitley because uh, <laughs> it's Hill who's um, who gets the ball and plays a quick one-two. Very decent shot, but Whitley does a fingertip save to tip it over the bar. And yeah, I think you saw the the good and bad of Whitley in in the space of about twenty seconds. There, it's um, it's a mistake by him, but yeah, it's a save that not everyone would pull off. Yeah, I agree. It's very much the uh, the two good, two bad section of uh, Ryan Whitley's highlight highlight reel, isn't it? Is is He's lacking in, in distribution. There's the lack of quality he has there, unfortunately, at times. But he's such a good shot stopper. A really good save to get, you know, to claw it away around the, around the corner of the post. Yeah. Um, very much the uh, the many faces of our Ryan. Next major action was on 38 minutes, substitution. And, you know, it's always a controversial one when there's a non-enforced substitution in the first half. When the commentators mentioned... It looked like Hardley was going to make one. I fully assumed it was going to be something to do with the midfield because the midfield were just not in the game at all. I mean, we had the three centre mids on again, as we had done against uh, Solihull, but they just weren't getting a foot in the game at all. We just, you know, we couldn't get a handle on it. There was no service to the strikers, I guess mostly because we just didn't have the ball. But no, it was Aidan Marsh who made way for Lionel John Lewis. Um, I didn't think Marsh had had a good game at all. But I didn't think it was a little bit harsh on Marsh, if you will, um, because, like I say, they just hadn't had any service up to the two strikers. Um, so I wondered whether that was the right change to make, but I could see the logic behind it because, you know, we're not getting much of the ball on the rare occasions we do. Maybe you want a target up front for it to stick a bit better. And obviously it proved to be a very wise move in the end. There was a moment in the first half where um, I believe there's some passing midfield between... Uh... Marsh, Dyson and A and other. Uh, Dyson kind of lets it get lost underneath his feet. He swivels on it a little bit, but he manages to get the pass away and it gets to Marsh, which is like a little turn on the ball and just forgets to take the ball with him. And it kind of summed up the entire first half for York City. And I don't want to jump on 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 Marsh. He's a, he's a young lad. I think he'd looked okay, uh, reasonable to decent at points during his loan spell so far. So I don't really think we need to be throwing the Marsh out with the bathwater. But Something had to be changed that first half. I agree with you. I did not think it was going to be him. But when it was um, John Lewis coming on for him, then clearly um, Ardley thought, well, the team's not going to be able to keep the ball as well as we want it to. So hopefully um, Lenny can keep the ball stick up, you know, can keep the ball sticking up front. Unfortunately, Marsh had to be the victim of that. Yeah. And we did actually have a chance in the first half just before half time, which was a very weird one where there was a, a ball floated in and then a goal mouth scramble in the box where. The ball seemed to just disappear for about five seconds at least. Um, <laughs> it was sort of like a moving... Remember those spot the ball competitions they used to have in the uh, 
in the newspaper. It was like one of them, but yeah, a, a moving version. But that was about as good as it got for us. Had that gone in, it would have been one of the fun. That would have been funnier than Woking. Just an abysmal first half, and then a lovely footed ball in by uh, by um, Batty. Absolute havoc in a Dagenham area. Just like a pinball machine, wasn't it? You could almost hear the sounds from uh, from your childhood as it pinged around in that penalty area with so many bodies, and it didn't creep in. It would have just summed up our um, good luck in uh, jammy goals at the moment. Yeah, and to be honest, it was pretty good luck to get in at half-time at nil-nil. As Ardley said in his post-match interview, you know, we're very pleased to be still level, and obviously then you're hoping we can make some changes, we can tweak things tactically to actually start imposing ourselves on the game. So he did make another change. So Callum Harriet came on for Siziba, who I didn't think had looked convincing at left wing back, but I don't think that's his position. You said you thought he did okay defensively? Yes, I didn't think he did great, because there was a, sw- a switch, wasn't there, in the midway through the first half where he moved over to the right wing and Paddy was kind of covering that left back position. He just, again, just he running at players and not getting around them and getting tackled so easily. A very frustrating performance from Xander. So when he was hooked at halftime and replaced by um, Harriet, um, I wasn't surprised at all. But I thought we were much better at the start of the second half. I'd agree with that completely. We're starting to to play in the way that you've seen us play thus far under Ardley. Definitely for that first five, maybe ten minutes of the second half. Yeah, I mean, it would have been hard to be worse, but I thought there was obvious improvement. We were sort of the better side for the first 15 minutes of the second half, although they did probably have the best chance when they counter-attacked with about five players against two. And <laughs> was, it not, was it not five on one? It may have been five on one. And it's it's after the most blatant foul you'll ever see on Paddy McLaughlin outside their penalty area. And it's very much just memories of uh, England-Argentina in 98 when it's Darren Anderson defending the English goal, goal by himself. Just a wave of Dagenham players. And you think, this is, this is going to end up with a goal, no problem. And we managed to just about get away with it. I think um, Dyson intercepts the ball that they're trying to do, I think, from, from memory. Very, very lucky escape there for York. Yeah, but no lucky escape on 60 minutes when Dagenham take the lead. So it was a cross, came in from the left, simple cross into Ryan Hill, who seemed to cause problems all evening, who lifted his shot into the roof of the net, and it's 1-0. Um, and obviously, as we mentioned, Dagenham well on top in the first half, so they deserve to be ahead, but it's a bit odd that it came at this point when they weren't as dominant rather than in the first half. Cracking finish. I'll give them that one for, for free. Lovely to step over the ball as a, as a cross comes in low. The finish is by uh, Ryan Hill. Um, he roofs it, doesn't he? Whitley has no chance. Um, very, very well worked goal. For a side that hasn't been scoring a lot of goals this season, that is um, a very decent effort. Yeah, and that seemed to sort of spark them into life again. They had several really decent chances to go 2-0 up immediately after that. There was one in particular where they probably should have scored again, where there was a ball over the top, found its way to Vincent. His early shot beat Whitley, but just flew over the bar. And then they had another one when Will Smith lost possession. And Freddie Sears was running clear, but again, a fingertip save from Whitley uh, to tip that one over. So, yeah, a couple of very decent chances to make it 2 0, but we were just about hanging on. Uh, but it, yeah, it did feel like they were probably going to go on to win it at this point. It looked like they were going to get another and put it to bed. But uh, 
uh, Neil Adley looked to his subs bench and saw a young lad called Scott Burgess, didn't he? Yeah. Cometh the hour, cometh the burge. Yeah, I mean, interesting. You say young lad. I was interested to find out that he's actually 26, which I always, I had in my head that he was a lot younger because he just, you know, hasn't played much for us, I guess. Obviously, we've seen glimpses of him. He's got technical ability. There's no question in that. But people have always maybe put a question mark over his physical presence. Um, but yeah, he comes on, I believe, for Tyler Cordner, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, again, um, looking at the substitutions, these are substitutions made by Ardley that no mere mortal should be making. A first half substitution that's unenforced, a second half substitution for a centre-back coming off for a midfielder who hasn't played at all this season. There's absolutely no reason why any of this should work in our favour, and yet somehow it, it, it does. It very much is the art of the Neil. And Burgess makes an impact fairly quickly. Very good through wall from Dippo, puts Burgess through. And then the keeper saved it with his feet. Um, sort of a low shot that Burgess had. Probably our best chance of the second half up to that point. I would say um, it's a very easy save for the goalkeeper. But what I like about it is Burgess makes that initial pass and then the run. And then he's found by Dippo uh, before getting that near post shot in. Playing with like a certain confidence straight away, which was very, very surprising. Great to see, of course. But there was no excuse for him to be you know, moving so freely and so comfortably after coming on at that point in the match. He did look really confident and he looked like he was playing with no fear, I guess, because maybe, you know, he's been out the side for so long, got his chance. But yeah, he was uh, he was trying to make things happen in a way that our other midfielders maybe hadn't done uh, prior to that. We had another chance, very decent chance on 81 minutes from John Lewis, where there was decent work by Dyson, who, I mean, to re- revisit him, I thought he was very poor first half as we were as a team generally, but improved quite a bit second half. Um, decent work by him to create the chance. I think Callum Howe's involved as well uh, to knock it down to him. And John Lewis has a sort of quick turn and shot. And it's very well saved by the Dagenham keeper, I thought. I think it's a, a better save than people realise because uh, John Lewis kind of fires into the ground. So it bounces up at the keeper in a very you know unpredictable manner. And he does well to get a, such a strong hand on it and to, to, to push it away. Yeah, but John Lewis had definitely made a difference on the game mm. in terms of giving us that outlet, um, using his physicality and you know trying to link up with Dippo in a way that Marsh hadn't been able to. And it was John Lewis who got us the equaliser on 85 minutes. And again, Burgess is involved. So it's, it's a cross in from Burgess. The Dagenham defender, I'm not sure what happens, but he... He misses the header that really looks like he should get to. He slips, doesn't he? Does he not slip? Is it a slip? Yeah, that would explain it. And then it comes through to John Lewis, does a quick control on his chest, then absolutely leathers it into the roof of the net. I just want to go back a little bit, Simon, if it's okay, because whilst you've you've mentioned Burgess's assist, which is you know absolutely correct, just before that, it's the ball over the top by um, by Howe into that channel, and Burgess just takes it down beautifully with his foot and just controls it to give himself that time and the space to, to get the crossing that he wants to, to to get to John Lewis. So whilst the cross is a fantastic cross, it finds finds its mark, it finds who it wants to go to, to get there in the first place, to receive you know um, a rather hopeful ball from Howe and to, to find himself in that space to control it so well, absolutely fair play to the lad. 
Yeah, no, you're right to point that out. And the commentators did remark on it sort of at the time, you know, how well he brought that ball down and, you know, took the sting out of the, the long pass. Um, so, yeah, Burgess, you know, integral to that goal, really. I'm just laughing. I'm laughing at you saying that. It's bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we'd sort of forgotten he existed. And then uh, suddenly he's the saviour of our season. Yeah, yeah. In, in October of 2023, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Scott Burgess has a, a man of the match performance. <laughs> York away. Oh, right. Okay. In the FA Trophy? Oh, no, no. In the league. So, yeah, it's one all. And at this point, although we hadn't played well overall, I thought it looked like we were the side more likely to win it, partly because Dagenham looked sort of shattered and really, you know, downhearted at having conceded an equaliser. I think you're you're right there, Si. And what I like about that is we've seen this happen to us this season historically. When you get that late-ish equaliser, it's only going to go in one direction, isn't it? I did think if there was going to be a winner at this point, it was definitely going to be us. Um, I think we kind of hog the highlights from this point onwards, don't we? We had the better of the chances from this point on. There was one from Harriet, um, who also made an impact, um, a shot into the side netting. Yes, he does, yeah. That was sort of early in stoppage time. And then a couple of minutes later, 94th minute, well, it's it's woken all over again, isn't it? It's uh... <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's John Lewis, isn't he? He works the ball out wide after receiving it from a, from a like a, I think it's quite a high through ball. He works it wide, he, he holds it well, he looks up and, and dippos at the edge of the area. He doesn't cross it in per se, he kind of passes it in. Adipo controls it very well, takes it onto his left, passes the defender and just puts it into the far post. Really good finish on what I believe is his, uh, his weaker foot. Um, absolutely precise. The Dagenham commentators sound absolutely dejected and the players run off to uh, the away section where um, what can only be described as scenes and limbs. Yeah, just to... Talk about the goals. Well, I think it's Dippo who starts and finishes the move. I think it's his little dink over the top for John Lewis. Um, and then, yeah, John Lewis does what he does best when he's on form in terms of, you know, holding up the ball, waiting for runners to join. Um, but then, yeah, Dippo's still got a lot to do with the finish. Um, can't really understate how how good a finish that is into the into the bottom corner. Um, and yeah, just what a what a lovely reward for those hundred and seventy odd York fans who had. Uh, made the insane decision to go down to East London for a midweek away game. Absolutely. And I just want to say that was not the only treat they received in injury time. Uh, Dan Batty's free kick, which is quite simply one of the funniest things I've seen New York City player do for many, many a year. Unfortunately, not included on the the, uh, highlights by the York City media team. I will be sending in a very angry tweet to the club regarding this. So Dan Batty, I think Batty, it's himself. I, I think it's him. Wins. It's quite a weak free kick in the uh, the board of the middle th- middle and final third for York um, after we've taken a 2-1 lead. Just want a time waste. Now, a little bit of personal insight into this one, if that's okay. Um, I was watching on um, on on a stream. Um, my stream was about, let's say, 30 to a, seconds to a minute behind my friends in my WhatsApp York City friends chat group. And my phone lit up with people saying, oh, my God, wow, Batty, oh, my God, lol. Other such reactions that one would have to um, a worldie. So I quickly um, looked at my my television screen to see Dan Batty standing over this free kick, thinking, well, spoilers, lads. Um, I made a point of turning to my wife and saying, you might want to watch this. Uh, <laughs> Dan Batty is about to score a world, you know, the world's best free kick. Only for Daniel Batty to smash the football out of the ground 
over the main stand into the deep, dark Essex night to waste some time. I couldn't stop laughing. Absolutely sensational S-housery by our midfielder there to waste some time. He would have done better to just chip it into the corner and have a player fight for the second ball. Nope. He smashes it so far. It, I think it possibly ends up in Kent. Yeah, well, yeah. Shame that didn't appear on the highlights, but hopefully someone's clipped the footage of that so it can be hung <laughs> as it deserves to be in the Louvre. <laughs> but yeah, not long after that, the, the final whistle goes and it's a, uh, yeah, it's a 2-1 win. So after being sort of, you know, so disheartened by such a poor first half performance, we didn't really know what to make of it because we've, Somehow ended up winning it, which was kind of Ardley's attitude, I think, post-match. He was, on the one hand, trying to praise the players for sticking at it and the attitude, but also, you know, trying to stress just how bad we actually were first half. But yeah, let's let's have a look at our responses on Twitter. Um, most of them mentioned um, Ardley's tactical changes. So, Gary Rogers, 49. Neil Ardley saw it wasn't working first half and changed it once and then again. We were lucky first half, coupled with some good performances, but the changes meant we made it to half-time. We gradually asserted ourselves and deserved to win in the end. Um, Matt Duckworth, you've got to love a last-minute winner. Great finish by Harriet, uh, which I think is a reference <laughs> to the fact that the um, the commentators on the stream were unfortunately mixing up the identities of some of our front three. What do those front three have in common with each other? They all play for York City Football Club. That's it, thank you. I was, I, I thought it was something. Yeah. Uh, there was also some interesting pronunciations of Akinyemi, uh, particularly during the first half. I enjoyed, um, we have a new centre-half called Callafield, which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who, who, what kind of player would that be if you could, if you could breed <laughs> Callum Howe and Ryan Fallowfield? The $600,000 man. <laughs> so to return to Matt Duckworth's tweet, Credit to Ardley for making decisions quickly when he spotted things weren't working in the first half, then again in the second half, making the call to go for the winner when the safe bet was to take a draw. And then a simple one from Matthew Clegg, always rated Burgess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess we we should probably discuss Burgess in more detail. You know, what do we think he deserves to start the next game? Um, I, I don't know about that purely because of fitness and uh, match fitness. He, he, he did so well against Aglund. There's absolutely no taking that away from him. But how often have we seen players follow up a, an 8 or a 9 out of 10 with, you know, a more basic, timid display? Not to say that he didn't do that, but I, I fear the worst. Based simply on the fact that he's not had a, a ton of matches for for, uh, for York at, at any point, never mind this season. He definitely deserves to be on the bench. He definitely deserves another appearance should things not be going so well or we need a little bit of a change in midfield. But I guess it depends on the availability of our players, isn't it? We're, we're not blessed at the moment with a with a, a, a fit or well squad. So I, I expect him to play a part um, on Saturday against Bromley. But just to, to touch on his performance as well, Si, when he came on, it, it, it was genuinely, not mesmerising, sorry, but just fascinating that he received the ball with confidence. He passed on very well. His past completion rate must have been up in the 80s and 90s. Always found his man. His runs were, were like not being replicated by any other players in our midfield. Hence, you know, the the, uh, the near post shot that the keeper saves in the second half. None of our other midfielders were even thinking about making runs like that. The cross for the goal, really, really good. I, I've got no idea where this player's been hiding for the past year and uh, three months. 
just absolutely really, really good stuff from the lad. I'm so delighted for him. Um, as Ardley said in the post-match interview, he's been training hard. He's just had players in front of him in the queue. But there's nothing better than seeing a player get an opportunity like that and then grabbing it with both hands and just not letting go. I'm I'm really, really delighted for him. Um, I hope he kicks on. I hope he provides a bit of an answer to a midfield conundrum that we've been having lately. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, hopefully it is a platform for him to actually, you know, become a real asset for us because I think he does offer something that we don't necessarily have in midfield. You know, we've got Woodyard has been very impressive, but he's very much a sort of defensive um, shield who's going to run around and, and make himself busy. Batty, a little bit different, maybe a bit more creative, but he's sort of more box to box. Um, whereas Burgess was, yeah, he was really sort of trying to be that player who gets on the ball and makes things happen in terms of his, um, you know, incisive passes and so on. I mean, it's 20, 25 minute cameo. We can't generalise too much from it. But yeah, I, I think he's maybe an option who who we do need to look at a bit more um, now that we've seen what he can do. But yeah, anything else to add on the Dagenham match? Um, I don't think we need to be, you know, writing off Marsh at this point. Hopefully he responds to what happened on Tuesday in a positive manner in training and inevitably when he gets another chance in the first 11, whether that's starting or coming in as a substitute. Um, I think he's got something to offer. I've seen enough about him to think there's a, there's a player somewhere in there. So hopefully he kind of gets over what happens, what happened to him. Adley sounded very sympathetic in his post-match, didn't he, about what happened with, with Marsh. He had to do it for the greater good of the team. And hopefully he can react to it in a positive manner. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it, it wasn't his best performance. And also the other game he started, unfortunately, was against Barnet, which was another one of our poorer games. But I do think he looks like he's got something. He's um, He runs around a lot. He seems to have a bit of quality as well. Um, but yeah, he, he just it was maybe just sort of, it, it wasn't the right kind of game for him, I think is what Ardley said. And then it's just how you how you react, you know, as a, a young lad who's been in and around the Barnsley first team, you you know, you drop down for a loan at this level. You're maybe not expecting to be hooked on, you know, 38 minutes for a veteran striker. That's probably not what he had uh, envisioned. So yeah, it's just all about how he reacts to that, I guess. And hopefully he can still make a contribution, but I don't agree with people who who are writing him off. Um, I think he, he does look a decent prospect. He maybe just hasn't quite had, you know, the right opportunity to show that at York yet. So let's just briefly cover the other news that's happening in the wonderful world of York City FC. A couple of players going out on loan, Finley Barnes, came back from Darlington but he's gone out to Scarborough Athletic so hopefully he can uh, he can do well there and continue to develop uh, Maison Campbell I believe has joined Mask United it's quite good that it's quite good to know that Mask had room for him wasn't it oh well, I hope he's I hope he makes himself at home there wait is Maison room or house? Maison's house delete that bit yeah no I'm leaving that in uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately they did he did concede uh, five goals to FC United of Manchester in his debut yesterday. Uh, so the mask has slipped. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least Dick Turpin wore a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another player out on loan who we want to uh, to check in on as well. It's it's time for your weekly dose of Ethan Henderson watch. You're not you're not altogether happy with my AI generated jingle, is that right? 
it caught me off guard when I was listening to the pod in the pub last week. Yes, I listened to the our own podcast, and yes, I listened to it in the pub, and it completely threw me. Uh, I started laughing, guffawing into my uh, my pints. So yeah, I'm gonna have some. I'm gonna try and put another jingle together for this section. Um, but yeah, what's been happening on in the in the world of Ethan Henderson? Well, uh, Big Eth, as I call him, uh, came on um, for Atherton Colliery's uh, in their two-one defeat uh, home to Hyde United. Uh, they were two on down anyway, but um, the self-described striker at York City, as per his Facebook profile, uh, failed to get on the score sheet to help out his lone club, which is unlucky. I'm sure he tried his best. Um, we have received some messages from some um, Atherton Colliery's supporters. So, side, if you want to get on the old um, sensor button, just so I'll read these out if that's okay. Um, the first one was, uh, what the f*** is Ethan Henderson? Um, which is uh, a bit of a damning indictment, if I'm honest. Uh, another one was, uh, sorry to bang the drum again, but in 20 minutes, uh, Ethan Henderson genuinely fell over his own feet more than he actually touched the ball. He was out of breath after five minutes. I mean, these are, um, you know, not great reviews of Ethan, but hopefully he's just, you know, shaking the cobwebs out of his system. He's been cruelly denied first-team opportunities at York City this season. So hopefully um, he can get rid of these uh, these nerves, this bit of stage fright, and come back to uh, the LNDR uh, after a few goals in... Let me just check my notes here again. Yep, the Northern Premier League. The Northern Premier League Premier Division. Yes, sorry, to be precise, yes. So we'll have to see how he gets on. But, uh, you know, we're all keeping an eye on him and we wish him the best of luck. And that is this week's Ethan Henderson Watch. So let's finish off by looking ahead to what's on the horizon. So we have another home game this weekend against Bromley. And unfortunately, it's another one where it's fallen in this tricky run of fixtures as it's uh, up against another in-form side. So Bromley, I believe, fifth in the table currently. Uh, I think they've won seven of the last nine, possibly. They've, they've certainly been in very decent form. What can we expect from that one? It's going to be another tough one. We've had a bit of a, a tricky run with um, a number of fixtures recently. Solihull, Bromley and Woking. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the impression our, our home form is a little bit lackadaisical at the moment. We, we keep getting these high-scoring draws. She'll have to see. Um, if we have a quick little look at, at, at Bromley's away form. Uh, yeah, they lost 2-0 at Chesterfield, to be expected. Decent one-all draw um, at, at Solihull. But going back from there, you know, one at Dagenham, one at Altrincham, and drew away at Rochdale and Kidderminster. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. Who knows? I, I think they, it could be a, a good chance to get three points. I think if, if Ardley looks at the, the positives of that uh, from the uh, John Lewis substitution onwards, I don't see why we can't give these guys a very good game. But I said this before the Barnet game, and I'm frankly scared for life. So I don't know. What do you reckon, Si? Well, I'm just looking at the league table. We have... So despite the fact that we're in 18th and Bromley are up in 5th, we have scored more goals than them, uh, interestingly. Obviously, we've conceded far more. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure what to, to fully expect from that. I guess it's probably another one like Solihull where a point would be a reasonable outcome. I mean, just to have a look at our sort of points per game since Ardley's come in, he was talking about 1.8, 1.9 being needed to sort of be in playoff form. Uh, and we've had 11 points 
from his seven games in charge, which I think is sort of 1.5, 1.6. So not quite that level, but when you consider the, the standard of opposition we've played and the injuries and other ailments that have run through the squad, I think that's a very decent return. And, you know, maybe performances still have a way to go, but results have, you know, definitely started turning around. So yeah, I'm not sure what to expect from from Bromley. Can I um, can I get an official Ben Aspinall predi- prediction locked in here to to clip next week? I can see what you're trying to do there. You're trying to tempt me into putting my reputation on the line, and you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to go. I'm going to go one-one. And yeah, that is our only fixture in the upcoming week. There's no uh, midweek fixture for the first time in what feels like a long time. Thank um, Christ. The FA Cup draw has also been made where we um we were drawn initially against Needham Market or Peterborough Sports. Mm. We were cruelly denied the opportunity to see uh, an aging Michael Gash as player manager of Peterborough Sports in action as they lost to Needham Market. But um yeah so we've got I guess what what is the dream? A uh, winnable home tie in the fourth qualifying round against Needham Market. I don't know um what their form's like. To be honest, I don't even know where that is in the UK. You could say I haven't done my market research. Need them. We had the new one. <laughs> Any thoughts on, on that draw? Um, No. No? <laughs> Good. I, I do always enjoy when we play a team who we've never played before. To be fair, we'll never top uh, Bedworth in the 2009-10 season. That was uh, just a completely anonymous non-league t- uh, team who embarrassed themselves horrifically that day? Uh, one for the, one for the diehards. There, that was uh, a very, very bizarre day. But yeah, that about wraps up this week's episode of Same Old City. Can only echo what I've been saying every week in terms of thanks so much for your engagement. And uh, we really, genuinely appreciate all the uh, all the interactions we've been having on Twitter. Everyone promoting the podcast, giving us their feedback. It's you know. It makes it a lot easier to uh, to put in the the graft of the edits and the and the research and so on. Research. Well, you know, we got to watch the highlights of the games. We've got to, we've got to check the um, opposition team sheet so we can pretend we actually know who their players are. Bromley have a player called Cheek. Oh well, mm. you know, will he be turning the other cheek? Well, yeah. Time will tell. Two cheeks the same hardly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we are up to uh, very close to 500 followers on Twitter. So if you can help us to get over that line, we are going to offer a very special prize to our 500th follower, I think, Ben. Yes, um, 500 followers would be, that would be fantastic. That would almost match the number of followers for uh, this week's opponents, uh, Bromley. So that, that, that'd be quite apt. We'll be digging through the crates to find some suitable York City tat for follower number 500. So please do spread the good word about same old city talk about your two good friends ben and simon uh, and how they do a great podcast so that that would be uh, massively appreciated but yes we want to do a, a massive thank you don't we to um one of our followers uh laura who has very kindly sent in some same old city enamel pin badges uh in the post uh they arrived uh i think um last week just before uh, barnet absolutely annihilated us but they arrived uh, they're very nice. Uh, we've got two. So I've got one for you, Simon, when I next see you for my sins. Um, they look lovely. Um, I'm going to be wearing mine with pride at York City Fixtures in future. So I just want to say a huge thank you to uh, to Laura. 
Uh, I believe that she uh, produces pin badges. Um, I'm sure she uh, will be um, happy to uh, take on designs if anyone's after some uh, some pin badges. Uh, she can be found on Twitter uh, at Little Dude with two eyes um, in the little part of that username. And just want to say again, thank you, thank you so much, Laura. They've been received. Uh, I'm going to be wearing one, and I'm going to reward Simon with the other. They look really great. And um, yeah, the first gift of the uh, Same Old City podcast era, Si. Yeah, no, I've I've only seen images of them that you that you've sent me since they've arrived with you in West Yorkshire. So I'm very excited to actually get my hands on them. But they they look genuinely really impressive. And seeing our silly little podcast name on a badge, yeah, it just uh, brings a smile to my face. It makes me feel like a York City prefect. Well, sort of. But yes, thanks very much, Laura. It's genuinely really appreciated that. Yeah, but that about wraps up this week's podcast. If you haven't dug into any of our recent Retro Rewind podcasts, please give those a listen. Uh, this week we brought out the next instalment of our draft York City 11s of the 21st century, where we chose two centre-backs each. So we're gradually building up two sides, which are ultimately going to face off against each other. So yeah, do check those out. And if you do have time to give us a rating or review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen, those are always much appreciated. But otherwise, keep the faith.